Hey, how's it going? Before we get into today's episode, I have a quick message and offer from my sponsor, Cloudways. Cloudways has an incredible Black Friday, Cyber Monday offer, good through December 6th. You can get 40% off for four months on all hosting plans and up to 40 free migrations. So all you agency owners out there, take note of those migrations. Use promo code BFCM4040 and you can go to kimdoyle.com forward slash BFCM4040. See how I did that? And the link and the promo code are both in the show notes as well. Again, go to kimdoyle.com forward slash BFCM4040. 4040 to get 40% off four months on all hosting plans and up to 40 free migrations with Cloudways. And on that note, let's get into today's episode. Hey there, it's Kim Doyle and welcome to my show where digital marketing meets real stories, experiences, and strategies. You'll get a behind the scenes look at what's working and not working in my business, as well as other experts who show up and share their stories. As much as I love talking about tangible marketing principles and tactics, we'll dig a little deeper with mindset and explore what's required to create a business you love on your terms that also supports your life. I want to help you understand the why behind the how. Whether you're a seasoned marketer or just dipping your toes in, remember, marketing is a journey and the goal is to enjoy it. My desire is to guide you on your journey and remind you that no matter what life throws at you, you've got this. What up, what up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Kim Doyle Show. I always say I'm very excited about my interviews, and it's true, because I only talk to people that I know and admire and respect, and this is actually our second time talking. But the first conversation I had with my guest, Marco Schmidt, which I'll do an official introduction in a minute, it was like (laughs) I felt like we could have talked for hours. I'm like, we need to do a podcast episode. So here we are. So first of all, welcome my guest, Marco Schmidt. Marco, thank you for being here today. Oh my God, Kim, it's such a pleasure to be here. And it's really true. I mean, every time we connect, I just feel like, oh wow, sister, you know, we're doing crazy cool (laughs) stuff together. (laughs) Even though we're operating in different places, we're still like in the same universe. (laughs) Totally, totally. And we connected just through Twitter and then saw each other in a Kavan cohort. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we both love Kavan Chung. He's such a super cool guy in terms of bringing community together. And so, and then, yeah, we've like had, uh, you know, tons of like back and forth on Twitter and stuff like that. And I just love what you do. And so, yeah, super happy to be here. Thanks. Thank you. Um, so I love hearing the backstory. So for the audiences, audiences, I've got plural now, but for the audience, um, can you share your backstory and what brought you to where you are today? And then we'll get into your business and what you're doing today. For sure. I'm happy to uh, talk to all of your audiences. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Hey, look. I swear to God. Yeah. I, sometimes <laughs> my, my mouth cannot keep up with my brain, but go ahead. <laughs> And vice versa, right? I mean, <laughs> um, sometimes I find my mouth saying something that my brain is going, no, no, no. <laughs> um, yeah, anyways, yeah. my backstory, um, uh, probably it started in some ways with dropping out of high school to join the circus. Um, and, you know, it was like one of those things. I was one of those accelerated kids who was like always in the smart classes and got to do like the crazy fun things, you know, like going to the factory and seeing how they printed newspapers or, you know, bringing odd guests in and stuff like that. And by the time I got to high school, I had really thought high school was going to be super fun, like college, like really exciting. And it was boring. It was super boring. I lasted for almost two whole years. And then I dropped out to start doing circus work and play in a rock and roll band. And 
Um, I actually moved out of my parents' house then. You know, it's like the great thing is, is that I already had skills. I already knew how to like, um, you know, hustle and sell things. And um, I learned how to paint houses. I I did a bunch of things. So I was financially self-sufficient when I moved out. And it always gave me this sort of independent attitude that I don't have to work for the man. And I have to say, here it is, you know, all these years later, part of what I do as a coach is like working with people who are super skilled at what they do, you know, who are experts and seasoned, but they're afraid to let go of the weekly paycheck or, or their corporate affiliation. They, they know they're not getting paid what they're worth. They know they're being exploited, but they don't have that background that I have of like being able to go and dance on your feet, make shit happen and like deliver like a great life for yourself. So I would say that's really where I started. And from there, you know, I did circus work off and on for six years, got to like work in Europe and different parts of the United States and for small circuses and as a solo person. And all that time I'm learning about life. I'm learning about like, how do things really happen? You know, and it's all about people. And this is another, you know, lifelong lesson. Business is all about people. Relationships, it's all about people. You take care of your people, you connect with people, and it will all come back to you, right? Always, yeah. So, um, fast forward, uh, I was working with the Flying Caramelsop Brothers, who at the time were like this crack juggling team that even performed at Carnegie Hall and other things. And I was on a tour with them one time, and like we were having a great time doing these crazy shows and doing all this cool stuff, juggling with fire and magic and stuff like that. And I learned that they'd all gone to college. And I was like, holy simoleons. Here I've like <laughs> acted in Shakespeare plays, but I've never actually read a Shakespeare play. I've never like really gotten an education. I decided I'm going to college. And I had two literary heroes at the time, Jack Kerouac and Allen Ginsberg. And I was actually friends with Allen Ginsberg at the time. And he wow. hit on me a couple of times at Poetry Land. <laughs> I don't know if that made us friends or not, but I knew he went to Columbia University. And I said, hmm. If I'm going to go to college, I want to go to a college in New York City. And if there's one college I really want to get into, it's Columbia University. Now, I was dating this girl who is in American Ballet Theater at the time. And she said, hey, I'm going back to New York. You could stay in my apartment and, you know, we'll see what happens. That relationship, like, didn't really last a long time, but we parted good friends. But I did get me to New York. And so I showed up at Columbia University on the very first day of classes. So I walked into the admissions office and I said, I'd really like to go to school here. And they said, do you have an appointment? I said, no, but I mean, who do I need to talk to? Well, that would be the director of admissions. Fair enough. Uh, do you it have sounds your like high school movie, transcripts? sounds like a movie, Marco. I love it. Go ahead. Um, no, I don't have my high school transcripts because I didn't exactly finish high school. How about your SAT scores? Nope, didn't take those either. I could see the no sale thing happening in people's eyes, but because of my background on the circus, I knew that this is just the beginning of a beautiful relationship. How do I make friends with these people? Uh, Well, so what I did was made an appointment with Dean Bamfield, who was the director of admissions at that time. And on my way out, I saw a stack of course catalogs. Well, those course catalogs gave me like the courses and the room numbers and the times that these courses were happening. I was thinking, (laughs) you know, showing up is 90% of success, right? So I started taking classes before I was actually admitted. And there was a couple of other lucky breaks that were on my way that year because that was the year that Columbia was changing from a paper-based registration system to a computer-based registration system. 
And I also made friends with all of the teachers that I was taking classes. And there was people who are already having problems with registration. Anyways, long story short, eventually I was able to talk my way in and get a fabulous education at Columbia University. And I graduated with a bachelor's in theater and writing. And then I taught for a little bit. I had so much fun that I went back and got my master's degree too. So uh, the, you know, the, the moral of that story is that you know there's more than one way in. And once again, it was all about people. So fast forward, I uh, taught for a few years. I got really interested in educational software. I got a chance to bid on a great project at AT&T Bell Labs. I started a software company. I moved out to Palo Alto, got to bid on a great job with Apple and uh, Stanford Research Institute, raised some money, built a little company, made some money, sold it, had a successful exit. Yay! <laughs> raised money for our next company, and it tanked. So <laughs> I got to feel both like, you know, the ups and downs of being in Silicon Valley and raising money and, you know, the whole venture capital world out on Sand Hill Road. Um. Over the years, I've done tons of boutique software development. Um, I've worked with some really incredible people, uh, both as individuals as well as uh, in companies. Um, I've had three funded uh, software uh, companies, um, two of which didn't do so well, but one which was a success. And about 10 years ago, I started coaching entrepreneurs, and I found my passion. This is like where I got to take everything that I knew about business, about you know, tap dancing, about meeting people, about working together and all that stuff. And I started coaching entrepreneurs and helping people start and grow businesses. And so today I have a company called Guiderly and we help people basically make the transition from corporate or whatever else is holding them back into starting and growing their own businesses. And then I also work with Miracy, which is a fantastic education and uh, business development company based in Montreal, where I also help hundreds of people start and grow businesses. Is that a pretty good backstory? And I was like, whoa, how fast can I tell this story? <laughs> no, you did fantastically well. And you know what it was? I was thinking about your, how do I get into Columbia? It totally reminded me of Rudy, Rudy Rudiger, who wanted to get into Notre Dame. And I'm like, this feel, that's, I was like, this sounds like a movie. And it totally is. And something that I gleaned really early on in your story too, is when you were talking about being financially self-sufficient at such a young age and moving out of your parents' house which clearly set you up for a belief about earning money and, and making your way in life where my guess is like with people that you're coaching and working with today, you know, it's not easy to leave the life you've known. I mean, my life was sort of turned upside down. And then I was like, that's it. I have to make this happen. Mm -hmm. And so when you have those monumental moments, but the further along the path you get, the harder it is to leave. Right. And then and I don't know if this is, you know, with the last 10 years of your coaching and whatnot, if you've seen a difference because the world is so different today than it was 10 years ago. And I you think so many again. people are, yeah. And I think so many people are probably thinking, what am I doing this for at a certain point? You know, there's, there's so many beliefs and institutions and structures that are shifting and crumbling or changing in front of our eyes that I, I think... I don't know. And my guess is, you know, I know for at this stage in my life, you start going, there's probably left life in front of me than behind me. And I'm going to make it count now. And so, you know, I love, you. well, <laughs> thank you. I mean, it's always, you know, it's especially when you're probably the odd man out with a lot of people, you know, nobody in my personal life, my real life 
you know, my dad, 15 and a half years later, still doesn't understand what I do. <laughs> but that's a yeah, good thing but, because yeah. you're not trying to change your dad's life. You know, you're really trying mm-hmm. to be a, a beacon and example for people who really are changing their lives. And what you're saying is absolutely true, Kim. We're in a time of, you know, economic, political, social. What, what part of life is not in turbulence right now? Mm-hmm. However, there's still this belief that true security is found by working for the man. Rog! You know, one of the things that I have heard over and over with my clients and my own personal short experience of working for other people, because I haven't really done it that much because I really don't like it. But, you know, the truth of the matter is when you work for someone else, you can get fired anytime for any reason. Somebody mm-hmm. could just like have a bad day on their way into the office and go, you know what? I'm tired of working for it with that guy anymore. He's out of here. And mm-hmm. the truth of the matter is there's no real security in any of this because we never know how long we're going to be here on this precious planet. We don't know how long our life is really going to be here. So why not do work that you love? Why not do what yeah. you're called to do to show up in this life with your gifts and all the things that you're super interested in, all the things you can do for other people? So I love working with people who are good at what they do, but they haven't quite had that experience. They haven't had that Uh, opportunity to develop confidence in what a super cool human being they really are and how they can make it happen on their own for themselves. Well, let's talk a little bit about some of your clients or, or, you know, how you work with people because, you know, um, I mean, you've been through plenty, right? And I think most people, by the time they hit our age, I think it's safe to say, like, uh-huh. You've had loss, you've had tragedy, you've had triumph. We we have enough experience in that life, right? But right. the the things that were really important to me 20 years ago, like I don't care anymore. Like I just mm-hmm. quality of life. I know what I I know how I want to feel in my life. So, you know, it it's different when you don't have kids under your roof, like my kids are out on their own. And, you know, but mm-hmm. what are some of the challenges that maybe are some commonalities you see with your clients? when they've hit this sort of precipice and they're like, there's got to be something else I can do with my life or I, I, it's time for a change. You know, what are some of the roadblocks that you run into with people? Well, the biggest roadblock is mindset. I mean, if, if you don't have any experience of having, of stepping over the threshold into the adventure of your own life, then it's really hard to trust that anybody's going to catch you, that you're, that you're not going to fall apart, that you're not going to be able to make your mortgage payment or whatever, it, whatever it is. So, Truly, that story that we tell ourselves about how competent and how able we are to deal with whatever is going to come up, I'd say that's like, you know, that's a really, really big challenge for all people who have had the safety and structure of working, you know, in a corporate environment. And it's kind of sad because the truth of the matter, that's just another story that we tell ourselves Mm -hmm. about what we're capable of. And, you know, we could say, oh, you know, but my daughter's only 14 and, you know, she's, college is coming up and, you know, we have a mortgage and, you know, how are we going to pay for insurance and all this other stuff? Baloney. The truth of the matter is your life is super precious and you mm-hmm. are called to be here. And it's whether you answer that call or not, or whether you have, you know, you've taken the call, but you've put the phone on mute or whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. what I love to do <laughs> is connect with people's superpowers and figure out how can they turn this into a viable business. And it could be a service business, which you know most of my clients are, but I've also worked with people who had ideas for a product. 
And you know, some of the ways that we validate customer need work, whether it's a service business or a product business, is some of the tried and true ways of making sure that you don't screw up your business. Uh, you know, apply across the boards. But I would say that mindset piece: if you can't develop the courage and and the enthusiasm for this journey. Mm-hmm then you're, you're going to be like sort of holding back and, you know, sort of like being pinchy butt about trying to do something cool. And yeah, that never really works. You know, it's, it's funny because I was, uh, I was talking, I had another interview this morning and we were talking about how much it, of it is belief and mindset. And you hear that. And until you are willing to, I, I'm a big believer in self-responsibility. I fully believe that I'm responsible for everything in my life. And obviously external circumstances I can't control, but I can control how I respond. I can control Mm -hmm. how I take it in and how I let that impact me, you know? And I think with, when people are stepping into entrepreneurship, whatever that looks like, you know, there's something about adult learners. Like as an example, you think about kids, like we give them time to fail and learn and, and, and get things right. And there's like this perception that people are, they, we don't know how to be comfortable with discomfort. Of course, you're going to be discom- uncomfortable when you're learning or when you're stepping mm-hmm. into something new. But it's like, you know, it's kind of that analogy of like when you were going to Columbia, it's like, well, okay, four years are going to pass whether I get into this school or not. So what do I need to do to make this happen? Um, you know, so the mindset piece, where do you start that with people? Because again, like I'm sort of I don't know if you ever knew this, but my first site before I was ever the WordPress chick was the self-help chick because uh-huh. I fell in love with self-help and development and stuff when I was like 22, you know, got my first set uh-huh. of Tony Robbins personal power. I believe game, it. Yeah. Um, which I can't listen to him anymore. But anyways, um, <laughs> <laughs> to each their own, you know, whatever. Right. Like, um, But the whole point is it's like I was so blown away that there was another way to think that could change my mm-hmm. life. Like, Oh, so if I think different things, it'll change my behavior. It blew me away that that was even a possibility. So at 22, I'm a little more malleable than, say, an adult in mid-career with the mortgage and the children and stuff. So, you know, what type of a process, if you want to share some of the stuff you do with your clients and how do you help them shift their mindset? Oh, my gosh. You know, it it varies so much from person to person because it just kind of depends on what story you've bought into about what you can do and what you can't do. You know, mm-hmm. one of the ways I'm actually kind of approaching this is like sort of be a, to, to be a little outrageous about it. Um, uh, I'm actually right now um, promoting this whole idea of unfucking your life. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is really just sort of like, okay, let's just totally start with the fact that let's embrace our fucked upness. Everybody has things that, you know, holds them back, that keeps mm-hmm. them from being everything that they can be. I mean, you know, as, as accomplished as one might be, we all know deep down there's things that trigger us or that, you know, cause us to act like big babies or whatever it is, okay? Once you start embracing that, once you start saying, hey, you know what? I got these rough spots. I got these things that I'm afraid of. Then you can start undoing the stories that have put their put those things in the place. You know, mm-hmm. as a point of reference, let's look at babies for a second and how they learn to walk, okay? Babies, you know, um, when they start to crawl, they crawl and then they fall over and then they get up and they fall over and they, they don't just sit down and go, oh, that was awful. I'm not trying to walk anymore. I'm done with that. I can't <laughs> mm-hmm. be a good walker. You know, they just like are trying stuff out and they, if they fall on their face, they like cry a little bit and then they try again. Mm-hmm. See, this is something... 
that we all had, but at some point, other people told us that we have problems, that we Mm -hmm. can't do what we want to do, that somehow we have to follow a set of rules or other people's ideas of the way that we're supposed to grow, and that accumulates over a lifetime. And, uh, you know, then you do get, say, married and have kids and a mortgage and stuff like that. And then, you know, 40 years later, you're like, gee, I know I'm not making as much money as I could. And, you know, I'm always a little bit afraid at work that, you know, other people are going to eat my lunch. But the idea of going out on their own is scary. Mm -hmm. So in many ways, I think it's just, you know, talking about this, talking about the, you know, the fact that we actually do have choices. And, you know, it's all about the stories that we tell ourselves. I love Byron Katie um, because her big message to world, to the world is, is that really true? Mm -hmm. Is it 100% true? Is it 100% true 100% of the time? And, you know, by the time you start drilling down that far, you realize, no, it's really not. Things could Mm -hmm. be different. I really could make a different choice here. And so it's kind of like working to pry people past that, that story of limitation. Yeah. What were you going to say? Yeah. Sorry. No, well, I was just going to say, you know, it <laughs> no, is, cool. well, no, it's, it's the, you know, the perception of, I mean, I was on the trajectory with the house, husband, the kids, the mortgage, the career, all that kind of stuff turned upside down. But it, but it was like, you know, I always knew there was something else I was supposed to do with my life. And I felt like, mm. okay, well, don't, I, I just did known from the time I was very mm-hmm. young. But I think what happens too is it's not even just like I was blessed. My parents were amazing and God bless my dad's still here, but it's like very supportive at the same time. You know, we have cultural things that, that impact Mm -hmm. us and how we're raised and where we're raised and whatnot. And so all of a sudden you, I think people don't even pay attention that they're living by someone else's rules or what we should do. You know I mean? I think about it and it's like my kids, probably their perception of the American dream is a joke to them. And I'm not trying to, I'm not bashing America, but what our parents grew up with, what their grandparents, my parents grew up with versus what they get, you know, so these perceptions and these stories we tell ourselves, and we should, or we're supposed to. And, you know, I realized for myself that it was one of those, I'm not even giving people the people who love me the opportunity to support my dreams because I've decided I'm telling myself stories Uh about, well, this will disappoint them or I need to do this because, you know, and so it's huge. And I agree with you. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm really glad you brought that up because um, I, I forgot to mention, well, you know, I didn't, I didn't tell the whole story, but you know, even though I left my parents um, at a very young age, I did so with my dad's support. Um, I lost my dad this last year. He died at the age of 94, still living independently on his own in Laguna Beach. And basically, you know, my dad's favorite song was My Way by Frank Sinatra. Um, And we all we we actually sang that at his memorial service. I mean, it's just like he always did things his way. And at an early age, he he was the guy like when we went on the ferry boat um, from uh, Vancouver to uh, Vancouver Island. and there was like this, we were up, you know, on top of the boat where it says, you know, the captain's thing or whatever. And there's a little uh, chain across the, the, the gateway there. And it said, no passengers allowed. And my dad said to me, would you like to meet the captain? And I said, yeah. And he just like blithely takes the chain away, walks in, introduces himself, mentions that he was in the Navy and that this is his son and that I love ferry boats. And the next thing we know, I'm getting to pull the whistle on the ferry boat, you know, and like, 
my dad taught me essentially that, you know, don't accept other people's limitations. Let that be their job. And so, you know, I actually didn't grow up with somebody who was like giving me the heavy talk about how I had to do it their way. And I feel for people who grew up in strong families because, um, you know, that can be um, a wonderful thing, but it can also be one of those things that becomes a burden, you know, because we all have to individuate. We all have to choose our own paths and, you know, find our own adventures. So I appreciate you sharing your story. Well, well, in the interesting thing with it, though, Marcos, it's like I, you know, I lost my mom four years ago, 71, unexpected, mm. wrecked me mm-hmm. for a while. But I, I did a lot to not disappoint her, but she she wasn't putting it on me. It was completely mm-hmm. self-imposed, you know, and I never because yeah. she supported me. Like when I started my business, she was like, how can I help? She was a queen at like spreadsheets and stuff. And every Lucky project you. I did that she she did. Yeah, because I hate that stuff. But, you know, so my parents <laughs> were always incredibly supportive. And, you know, my mom was one of those that nothing's ever going to get in the way of my relationship with my kids. However, mm-hmm. her own stuff, you know, we inherit elements of our parents. And, you know, I mean, my parents were married 52 years and just kind of this well-oiled machine. And so, but we don't realize, my point is, you know, I didn't give my mom maybe enough of a chance to, I mean, they supported my business, all those things, but to say, I'm going to go do this. And honestly, I look at, you know, I don't know if my mom were still here, would I have gone to Costa Rica? It would have been really hard. And I, God bless my Mm -hmm. dad. I love him. I'm at his house right now, you know, but it's like (laughs) my mom and I were really, really tight and Uh knowing it was hard on her would have been hard on me, you know? And so in some ways it was a gift she gave me. And so Mm -hmm. I feel kind of a cry, (laughs) but a responsibility to make the most of this life for her. Oh man, you're, you're really, Kim, you're touching me in my heart right now because, you know, whether we acknowledge it or not, you know, we are standing on the shoulders of the people who guided us and supported us in our lives. And it's a beautiful thing to be able to figure out ways to give back. I mean, that's one of the reasons I think why once I discovered coaching, um, uh, particularly entrepreneur life coaching, um, It just resonated for me because I love helping people, you know, like overcome some of the things that can hold them back. But I also love the structure and the practicality of business. And so combining those things together. And, um, you know, it's like one of those things where when we acknowledge the people that help us get to where we are, it really is. Then we become part of the continuity. And then we're actually passing on some of that goodness that was given to us as we were coming up. So let me ask you this, because I can hear the, um, I don't know what the, what the word is, but there's such a heart centeredness with which you approach your business, right? And I love that mm-hmm. you said then there's this tangible element of business because business is incredibly creative. I think people, you know, can think that it's, you know, it's numbers and it's processes and systems. And yes, all of that stuff. But it can also be very creative, even the structured element of it. And that the beauty of entrepreneurship, right, is that you get to create it whatever in whatever way you want. So um, this just popped into my head. I don't know what it is you're doing to me, Margo, but you're pulling out all kinds of juiciness here. But fantastic. Like, yeah, same this here. Is super fun. <laughs> what would you say is your superpower when you work with people? Oh, I, I think my superpower is recognizing, connecting, and amplifying other people's superpowers. 
mm-hmm. because it just makes me so happy when I see somebody light up inside yeah. and to start to do things with what they've got. You know, it's it's funny because um, I I really think that I've had so many successes in my life and I've been loved so well by really great people that I think at this time in my life, it just is like, I already know how to do stuff on my own. What I mm-hmm. what, what makes it all worthwhile is figuring out a way to help other people get to where they want to go. And, you know, in terms of like creating my own thing, you're, you're absolutely right. Business can be as creative as you want to make it. To me, I think of business as a spiritual path. I think of it as a way of like growing as a human being, as well as participating in the continuum of all the great things that life is all about, because life is a fantastic, amazing unbelievable opportunity and experiment. And so when you think of business, not just as dollars and cents, but as a way of essentially creating community and sharing value and expanding the opportunities that we have to make this life a better place for all of us, well, then it gets pretty damn creative because there's no right answers (laughs) there. I mean, absolutely. Well, you know what there is, there are some things, there's guardrails though. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. like say, for example, I believe in profitability. I think every business, okay, deserves to be profitable if it's a decent business because with profit, we not only pay for ourselves, but we have something extra to give. Mm-hmm. And that profit can be like something that you use to make a boat payment, but it can also be to grow things or mm-hmm. to make an investment in another business or, you know, to provide value that you're like essentially reinvesting back into your community. So, yeah, I tru- I totally believe in profit. And when it comes to working with my clients, I, you know, I'm really very clear that I don't, if you're, if you're interested in a nonprofit, I'm not your guy. I'm really sort of interested mm-hmm. in how can we leverage the tried and true um, skills of good business and make your business successful and profitable. Do you think that there's, it's, th- let me start this over, see if I can do this. But I, I think there's an element of reframing that has to happen, especially when you've come from the corporate environment. You know, it, it's kind of like, um, and I, I promise not to go sideways here, but it's like when I see all the people getting angry over, you know, the attempted student loan forgiveness, but they're not angry over Netflix and Amazon not paying taxes, you know, so there's little things. So I think when people are coming from sort of this corporate world, then I'm like, you get to charge the value you feel you're providing. And, you know, you'll see people, it's kind of like, I don't know, in in the digital marketing space, there's things are so cyclical. It's like people are getting burned out on this now and then this now and high ticket coaching and then courses and then this. And it's like, it's all cyclical. It works its way out. Right. The whole thing is, I was like, I'm like, we don't question, you know, the JP Morgan Chase CEO making $31 million a year, why his employees make $15 an hour. But Yet all of a sudden we should question why I want to char- pay somebody $2,000 who's going to help me create something phenomenal as an example, right? So there's there's this, we've been, I don't want to say brainwashed, but there's a beliefs that need to be broken. Oh, you're absolutely right. Value, People have right? been brainwashed. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the, the cultural stories are so pervasive, just like what you just said. Oh, yeah. so corporate CEOs get to get, you know, multi-million dollar uh, mm-hmm. you know, bonus packages and salaries and all kinds <laughs> that of they perks, create for themselves um, that they create for themselves. But somehow, you know, we're still arguing about a minimum wage that nobody can live on. I mean, it's just ridiculous. So right. you're right. It is a story. And, and, you know, the United States, I'm not proud to say this, but the United States is one of the only countries in the world where we saddle students with debt. You know, mm-hmm. uh, let's be real. 
our country is great because of all of the educated people who make cool shit happen here. So mm-hmm. why do we settle them with debt? And, and debt at a high rate. Holy mackerel, you want to get me mad. Talk about like the rates that are charged students when they're not really that experienced to know what it is that they're signing up for. And, you know, decades later, they're still paying off the interest. Uh, oh, yeah. No, rah, they've paid the ridiculous. loan back three times, but it's predatory right. lending. Uh-huh. And it, and so, yes. but you have people that are arguing against it and we won't go sideways. We're on the same page, obviously. But even though there, we want to, this, we we're not going to do Even though it. we want to. But, <laughs> but this idea where I don't think, circling back to entrepreneurship, right? Where it's like, people feeling or or I'll see people get angry like who do they think they are to charge you know $25,000 a year for a mastermind I'm like they believe they can they believe they do the value and why does that make you angry you know so that which comes back to the stories we tell ourselves and the beliefs and you know we bring all of our experiences to every everything we do and so especially when you're helping people like you do maybe transitioned into something for themselves and I'll tell you Marco like when I moved um, well, I left California, went to Boise and then from Boise, Costa Rica, man, I got rid of everything. I have a storage unit wow. that has some mementos, some holiday stuff. And otherwise I'm like, I've got computers, clothes, like, and it is the most free. And I have very clear goals on where I want to buy property again. But the point being, I love my life and uh-huh. the stories we tell ourselves, and I don't mean to go sideways here, but I ran into a neighbor from when I was in California for years where I raised my kids and owned my house um, and ran into her like a month and a half ago. I was shopping in the area with a girlfriend and she goes, you know, Kim, she goes, I want your life. And I was like, what? <laughs> right. And I'm all, yeah, you mean now she goes, no, always. She said, I've always liked your life. Cause as probably as long as she knew me is when I started my business. And so, mm-hmm. and then there's, me and my head going, oh, it was up and now, oh, and now there's drama and sadness and heartache. Yeah, and all but the stuff she saw your superpower. She saw your ability to like move through all that turbulence with like mm-hmm. grace and excitement and enthusiasm for the adventure. Thank you. Well, I wanted to circle back to what you said about, you know, you hit a point where it's like to be able to serve and to be able to give back to the community and whatnot. And so I think coming again full circle to it's always about people. And I feel such a stronger pull. Maybe it's this age and stage of my life that, Mm -hmm. man, I treasure the relationships in my life. And I always have. But, you know, when we're in that sort of, you know, first part of our adult life and you're raising family and you're busy and you're you're just doing this, you know, there comes a point where it's, I don't know, you get that the richness and that a colorful textured life comes down to relationships with people. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, this is what we do it for, right? I mean, nobody mm-hmm. on their deathbed said, oh, I wish I'd spent more time in the office. <laughs> you know, what they really yeah. wish is that they'd spent more time with the people that they love doing fun things. And, you know, I want to get back to something that you were saying earlier. Um, and that is, you know, how can people do get irate that great uh, coaches, counselors, consultants charge high amounts of money? My belief is that you only make what you're worth when you work for yourself mm-hmm. because you're the one that's setting the price. And, you know, mm-hmm. those people who charge like, you know, 10K a year to, you know, for one-to-one coaching, they wouldn't be able to sell that if they didn't deliver results. Absolutely. I think another interesting way to turn this around is to say, look, what is money anyways? Money is currency and currency is energy. 
Nobody has a problem with sharing energy or how much energy it takes to go and do whatever it is you want to do. And by the way, this isn't just my idea. This I have to quote or you know credit Jen Sincero, the girl oh, who wrote the best books. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I love her too. She's fantastic. And, you know, just what a great mindset she has. Anyways, my point is that when you spend $10,000 working with a great coach for a year because your heart's telling you it's the right thing, your head is telling you, this, hey, this is going to work, I can do it. You've made an investment in yourself by paying that person. That is actually it's not money just going out. You're actually contributing energy to your vision. Yes. That's a mm -hmm. bet on yourself. It's an investment. And that's totally different than buying a boat or buying a car or, you know, other stupid, not stupid, excuse me, but, you know, buying things. When you right. invest in your education, when you invest in the experience, that's about amplifying your own goodness and increasing mm -hmm. your ability to show up in the world as a powerful, energized person. Which, because it, it compounds, right? I mean, the people mm -hmm. you're around, like I remember saying to my ther therapist one time, I'm like, I, I really feel, you know, that, what did I say? I said, oh, when I was coming back to California, you know, and my uh -huh. dad, which is funny because my dad's 79 and we are on polar opposite political spectrums. He knows not to talk to me about it. I don't watch news. He's a retired police officer. <laughs> Right. Even though born and raised in San Francisco. Enough whatever. said. Enough said. Enough I'm said. sure but he's a really sweet guy, too. Wonderful man who also uh -huh. spent time with uh, just done a little story, but not done. But, you know, he was a, a narcotics task officer and one of his informants was dying of AIDS and his family would do nothing with him. And my dad sat and held his hand. So he wasn't alone yeah. and talked to him, you know, so. There we go. Mm -hmm. But the point being is yeah. I was saying, you know, I feel like my energy is good for him. And she said, Kim, your energy is good for everyone. And I thought, <laughs> well, shit. And but meaning that's who I want to be in the world. Right. So mm -hmm. the more energy and, and effort I put into becoming the best version of myself from a deep soul place, it's going to come back tenfold. And to your point that when you invest in yourself, you are telling the universe, you are letting people know that I'm serious. I'm serious about being able to show up and serve in a way that right, yeah. attracts the right people. And, you know, it, it also works in on another dimension. And that is, I mean, as solopreneurs, as entrepreneurs, one of your jobs, okay, is to establish your value in the world. So when you make a big investment in yourself, when you make an investment in mastering a skill or in, uh, you know, the right tools or, you know, joining the right communities, you're actually setting value that you can turn around then and justify to other people because you are part of an ecosystem. You're not just like, you know, some jingweed who's, you know, like going, I'm, you know, I'm going to guarantee you $10,000 in monthly reoccurring revenue, you know, sign up today, which we know is bogus. That doesn't stop people, you know, on you know mm -hmm. various social media platforms from, you know, waving their flag and saying that's what they're doing, even though they're probably living in their parents' garage and, you know, like, um, you know, driving a 10-year-old car. My point is that I think that when we realize that we're part of a community and that community really flourishes when people make big, you know, investments in themselves, when they take big steps into their discomfort zones to grow, that it actually comes back around. And that it's kind of like, once again, you know, my analogy is that life is a gigantic adventure, uh, a big experiment. Mm -hmm. 
And so when we continue investing ourselves in making those experiments, when we're trying to do our very best to contribute to the great you know, preciousness of life, then it comes back around. It totally does. And, and have you ever seen that episode? Uh, it was, well, I've watched every Friends episode too many times, but there was an episode <laughs> where, where Phoebe was saying there's no such thing as a selfless good deed. And Joey was so determined to find the selfless good deed. Because the truth is, when we do good for others, it comes back and we feel good, you know, and there is this, this innate payoff that happens. Um, mm -hmm. I know we're winding down a little bit here, but I want to talk a little bit about, you know, your, your coaching process and who, like, who's your ideal client? And, and I, I get that you work with different people at different stages. Um, and mm -hmm. you could go as tactical or as intangible as you want with this. But, you know, who is a would be an ideal client for you? Well, I like working with people who are good at what they do, who are seasoned enough to say, you know what, I understand what my mission is. I understand what it is that I'm trying to bring to life. And I want to figure out how to monetize that, how to turn it into a business. Um, I can also help people with ideation and, you know, doing some of that work. But I'm not a therapist. You know, I'm not really somebody who um, wants to dig into the weeds with you, you know, I mean, I can, but really the people that I seem to be the most successful with and that I can do the most for are people who have that inkling. They know something about what it is and how they want to show up in life. And we work together to essentially figure out how to set those goals, how to imagine what that future would look like, how to find people who are already doing what it is that you want to do so that we've got our, you know, guides and our mentors and our wayposts. And then we start undoing the, uh, you know, bottlenecks and the things that are getting in the way of getting to where it is that they want to go. You know, it's, uh, I also like working with crazy, not crazy people, but really creative <laughs> people, um, you know, because very often creative people, you know, have felt like all their lives they're in this world where they, you know, are trying to make cool things happen and they, you know, just don't get the business mindset. And mm -hmm. I've, I've had so many, uh, you know, uh, creative people tell me, you know, I'm not a money person or I'm not a business person or or whatever. And that's because they're thinking kind of like comparing themselves to corporate people when in yeah. fact, all they really need is a little bit of guidance and understanding about the value of what they're doing and what they want to create. And then we create a structure and a, you know, a pathway for them to be able to go and build up to essentially be a, a business person to, to their great surprise. <laughs> Yeah, I bet. You know, there's a lot of people that I'm sure, like I remember having a, a friend of mine tell me one time, she goes, I don't know that I could handle not having the steady paycheck. And it's funny because her husband um, is from Italy and they had restaurants in the Bay Area for quite a while. And now uh -huh. she's a VP of HR for a major retailer. But to me, I'm like, I cannot imagine ever working for anybody else again, honestly. Like, I think I'd go buy a hot dog cart first before I'd go to uh -huh. get a job, you know? And you'd probably be and, super successful with it. <laughs> and it would be a blast, right? And I would just have fun right. talking to people. But, you know, the um, the idea of, of uh, taking something you know, because her husband even, he has this great, thick Italian accent. I'm all, Corrado, like, come on, let's do a YouTube channel. Let's do cooking with Crotto. Like, because his uh -huh. energy and what he exudes and stuff, and maybe when their boys are out of school or whatever, but you know, there there is this thing about seeing somebody make that transition is so if someone's coming to you and they've had a corporate job 
And I don't know if you want to give any examples, um, but what I'm understanding you're saying is these are people who are pretty grounded in who they are and what they bring to the table. In essence, they just Mm -hmm. don't know how to transition that into an entrepreneurial creative endeavor that will support the lifestyle they want. Is that a quick summary? (laughs) Right. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And so, you know, well, I want to talk about a mindset shift that's really important, no matter where you are on this continuum of being an entrepreneur, getting started, you know, launching, and that is customer centricity. You know, in a corporate world, you're basically uh, focused on making your boss happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, really, if you don't, then how long are you going to be there? And that's about yeah. meeting goals that are really about system-centric thinking. And what entrepreneurs need to learn, and the really successful ones do, is that they need to think like their customers. They need to get out of temporarily their own um, you know, sense of authority, their own sense of like knowing how things should be, and try to figure out how can I help my customer be the hero of their own story. Now, that mindset shift is one of the things that totally unfucks people's lives. When they get mm-hmm. that, that paradigm, you know, they suddenly have this, you know, kind of like uh, magic ability to start mm-hmm. articulating their offers in terms that people already get because it comes from them. And they're able to understand their customers' needs and wants and even what they're willing to pay because they've changed their mindset from, pushing out to the world, to joining their customers and seeing life from their perspective. When you said that, when you said magic, it was funny because the first time I had that exact shift was listening to Story Brand Mm -hmm. by Donald Miller. Great book. But it was like, it was the first time I connected. Oh, I'm a Harry Potter fan to no end. But I was like, I'm Uh not Harry. I'm Dumbledore. Like, I'm supposed to be the guide. I'm supposed to be. And it was just like holy shit uh-huh. my mind it was just right and that's, yeah. that's probably the biggest thing i remember from that whole that book but but really it's and all of the sudden i think what people probably when they connect that dot you just get oh it doesn't have to be about me and it's so much easier to share and highlight and encourage and do for others right and if if that's a drive within you, because then you don't feel like I'm talking about myself and it's, and I, I tell stories about myself all the time, but hopefully I'm doing it from a place of connection, right? Or don't do this, or I've learned that this way. Um, so I absolutely love that piece. And that's, a, I'm guessing that when people connect that dot, all of a sudden it's like, ow, now I got it. Now tell me what I need to do. <laughs> Right. And, you know, this is kind of like a through line of our conversation today, you know, which is how do we join people on the continuum of, you know, helping people be successful in their worlds? Because when you're an entrepreneur who has a great idea for a product or a service, and it's really linked to making, you know, a target market successful at what they do with their customers, well, then you've got, you know, a really winning combination. And it also feeds our souls. I mean, Mm -hmm. look, I'm not the right entrepreneur coach for the person who wants to like, you know, uh, conquer the world, you know, and win at all things. And, you know, like uh, that whole approach to life of like, you know, vanquishing your competitors and all that stuff. I mean, really, that's just that's so small minded. Um, It's exhausting. I think this is one of the ways it's not sustainable. It's exhausting. 
it's not sustainable and uh, probably they leave in the wreckage broken marriages and unhappy children and all kinds of other stuff that we don't mm-hmm. want to do. This is where you and I connect. I think that what we really love is taking our ability and our capacities and our enthusiasm for life and channeling it in a way where we're actually sort of helping other people rise too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's just, I mean, really, that's, that's what makes me so happy about the work I do. I feel like every day it's a privilege to be able to go and help other people achieve their dreams. That's my dream. That's the thing that makes me super happy. That is beautiful, Marco. Where is the best place for people to connect with you? And I, And in my head, I'm just telling you right now, I'm like, Okay, how do we do these regular conversations? I think um, (laughs) for sure, I'd love to. (laughs) Provided you don't, I don't start crying every time. But where is the best place for people? I'll tell you what. Next time, I'll cry. Okay, Okay, will that make you feel better? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Again, it's a beauty. You hit a certain point in life, and I'm like, whatever. It's not the first time I've cried on a podcast. (laughs) Um, But how can people find out more about you? Work with you? Connect with you? For sure. Okay. So um, my Twitter handle is at Marco Schmidt. Super easy. Um, so Twitter is a great place. And then um, there's my website, which is guiderly.com, spelled G U I D E R L Y.com. And um, I'm actually going to be collaborating with a wonderful guy named Chris Porter, um, who's an ADH coach that I just love. And we're going to be doing um, a uh, you know early stage entrepreneur. Um, business plan boot camp in October. Um, and so if that's like, uh, you know, of interest to anybody, it's going to be super fun for a week, um, not a big investment in terms of time, but you end up with essentially a game plan for how to take your dream or your idea and start assembling all the resources that you need to turn it into a business. So, and you end up with an actual document, you know, that like is your, your, uh, your plan along with a, a business plan canvas, which is a, you know, a really cool little device to go and, you know, explain what it is that you're about and what you want to do. And do you have the link for that yet? Or we'll just make sure you guys go to the, the link in the show notes. And then Mark, Marco, if you want to send that to me, I'm happy to share it with my audience. Of course. As you get a yeah. little bit closer to that. So, um, Super and cool. again, all the links will be in the show notes to, to Marco on Twitter and his website. Marco, thank you so much. It's like, I we've literally talked twice. And I'm like, I, just like you're my brother from another mother. I feel like I could chat with you all day. I feel <laughs> the same way, Kim. It's like, it's always really, really fun. And you know, uh, I've been following your content for like two years and stuff like that. And I just, I love the changes that you're going through. I can't wait to see what you do next. Do you think you're going to go back to Costa Rica? Oh God, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm doing. I'm hosting That's my a, dream. a That's retreat. That's my family's dream. Uh-huh. Okay, I'm I'm hosting a retreat there in October, and I'm going to be there for a month. I've already got a trip back in January, and so my goal, <laughs> honestly, is to go back and forth between California and Costa Rica. That's that's where I want to land. We're going to talk more about this. I want. I, I okay. can see us doing a retreat together. I think that would be super uh, cool. <laughs> oh my god, that would be a blast! Absolutely. Stay tuned for that one. Anyway, yeah, again, absolutely. Marco. This was wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you too, Kim. Take care. Ciao for now. Thank you.